Hello and welcome to the Full of Beans podcast, hosted by myself, Hannah Hickenbotham. Throughout these podcast episodes, we will speak to a range of individuals about their experience of eating disorders, with the aim of increasing awareness and understanding, whilst reducing stigma and isolation. Please note that the topics discussed in this podcast may be triggering for some individuals, so tread lightly, check in with yourself and reflect on these conversations. In this week's episode, I'm joined by Professor Gemma Sharp. Gemma joins me from Monash University to discuss the work that they've been doing on AI, creating chatbots for eating disorder recovery and to support parents and carers. We also speak about future research with robots, and this is a really, really exciting episode for future potentials of integrating AI into health and more specifically into eating disorder treatment. So... AI for body image and eating disorders. This is extremely exciting. Um, I now work in marketing, um, and so ChatGPT has become a good friend of mine. Of course, so I'm very excited when you got in touch about this. Yeah. Um, oh. So, do you want to tell us a bit? Um, I guess people might have heard your previous episode, but if not, do you want to just tell us a bit about yourself and the research that you do to start us off? Yeah, no worries at all. Thanks for the opportunity to to be on the podcast again. It's great to be back. And I'm based at Monash University <laughs> in Melbourne. It's actually quite a sunny day here today. I think we're getting a bit of summer. Mm. It's been a bit of a late one for us in Lucky Melbourne. Lucky you. Indeed. It's and, like minus four here. Oh, God. <laughs> I think we're over 30 <laughs> here. So, um, yeah, everyone's in their, like, summer dresses and stuff. Um, so yeah, I'm at Monash and I'm lucky enough to lead, uh, the body image and eating disorders research at, at Monash. Um, so that's, that's my research gig. And I'm also a research lead and senior clinical psychologist at our new eating disorder services, uh, at the Alfred Hospital, which is, um, a very large public hospital, very close to Monash. So basically my workplaces are next to one another, which is really fun. It's amazing. And and that's also great that you're, you know, right next door to each other. I can imagine that makes researching a lot easier. So what is it that you've been working on lately? Oh, mm-hmm. gosh. I mean, what haven't we been doing, Han? But um, <laughs> we, actually, as, um, we have seven research streams. I think I have the most overworked team in the universe. Um, <laughs> but we we love our, our digital body image or digital eating disorder stream. And that's a, a stream of research we've uh, we've been doing for over five years now. I just tell you, it's just flown by. And I suppose the the aim of that stream is how can we use artificial intelligence in the the prevention and and treatment of eating disorders and 5 years ago we did not have the fantastic technology we have now so i think the start of it was just basically trying to convince people that ai wasn't going to to be super harmful um, mm-hmm. uh, but now it seems to have been really embraced by the broader community. Obviously, there are issues, and I'm sure we'll touch on them. But, um, yeah, so we had a slower start, uh, but now it's, I suppose, really exploding. We have uh, all these different projects going, so in prevention, interve- early intervention and treatment uh, for the person experiencing the eating disorder as well as the people around them. And we've actually just got some funding for uh, for robotics. So th- this is a brand new area. So n- not just um, chatbots, but robotics helping with meal support. So they are the robots that you think they are, if you imagine one in your head. So um, that's new work we'll be doing in 2024. 
Seems that can be like a physical in-person robot. Exactly, like sitting on your kitchen table, encouraging you through meal times. Oh my because God. yeah, we know that's a really hard time, and we think this robot can, you know, give some good skill advice, provide some nice distraction, play games with yeah. with the person. So yeah, that's that's very very recent. Um, in conjunction with all of our conversational AI work. Uh huh. Wow, that is actually blowing my mind. Um, that, that is something that would everyone be wants to. Everyone's like, I want to do the robot co-design. Like, <laughs> so many people who are keen, which is great. Um, I can't wait to play yeah. with it. I they're very lucky to be collaborating with my excellent colleagues at Monash um, Engineering for that one. Yeah, and do you know something that's just kind of this is very much just coming to my head because I didn't even know that this would be a possible thing. But I think something that could be really good there about that robotics um, is, and I know that you've done a bit of work on AI for carers as well, mm. but so much of the time, I think that one of the real difficulties in eating yes. this sort of treatment is when somebody is at home, the parents yes. are having to do all of that hard work Absolutely. with meal support and everything. And yeah. It, it it creates a divide in the household um, oh, because obviously it, the last thing yeah. somebody with an eating disorder wants to do is to eat. And so if you've got that exactly. robot, which is you almost, I'm sure you're going to make it as, as like humanistic as possible, but it is also we'll do our best, not a human. Yeah. So yeah. You, can, you can sort of take it out on the robot and it, it's not <laughs> going to affect you and your family. I actually did. That was one of the questions uh, or something we discussed really early on was like, how easily do these robots break? Like if someone is frustrated and throws something at the robot um, and they're very, they're quite hardy, which is good. Um, and absolutely, as you were saying, like, you know, taking a bit of the load off parents and carers, but also if someone's at home by themselves, like maybe, you know, they've, they've been discharged from inpatient or, you know, they're doing a day mm -hmm. program and they, so then they've got that support 24 seven rather than just when they're at the oh. treatment facility. So we, we think it's hopefully going to plug a few gaps. Yeah. And I feel like it will keep things consistent as well, because at the end of yeah. the day, you know, parents, carers, whatever, will be emotional about what they're going through. They're not trained yes. either to support somebody with an eating disorder. Oh, so gosh. then the person will have that consistency throughout their exactly. treatment, which sounds amazing. And we hope ultimately that the robot learns with the person that there's that personalization mm. like oh you know han really likes it when we play uh you know tetris <laughs> i'm sure you don't like tetris by the way well i don't know candy crush han likes it when we play candy yeah. crush before the meal Personally, so we'll do candy crush <laughs> mine mine is killer sudoku that's what gets there you go thank thank you for telling that's a, <laughs> another good one so so yeah hopefully that that learning with the person as well like what works for them and what doesn't um just like you know parents and carers are doing all the time they're learning oh that strategy sure. didn't work last time so let's try something different yeah absolutely and you said about co-design there Yes. Um, will that be sort of people with eating disorders working with you guys to 100%. determine the best approach for this? Yeah, so people with a lived experience, um, parents, carers, supporters, as well as um, other health professional service providers. So it's quite an extensive co-design we've got planned. But we, mm. we do this with all of our projects. So we, we actually find it so fun. Um, it's just, it's an absolute joy to do this, this work and an honor as 
well. So um, we, we try to make sure we have as many voices in that co-design as possible such that we have a the strongest product um, or um, end, uh, end finding that we can. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's brilliant. I think there's something really important to be said for having people with lived experience partake yes. in this sort of research. And oh, I think especially for 100%. such a novel concept, because, yes. you know, I think you kind of touched on it at the start, like people were very sceptical. And I still think people are quite sceptical about AI and yes. and all that kind of stuff now. Um, and so to have somebody with an eating disorder get involved and you know think about the logistics of it all and yes. you know you do want to have, feel like somebody understands what you're going through but equally there's the sort of um logistical side of things as well but I absolutely guess yeah I mean, can you imagine a robot I'm... sounding like me It'd be really boring so I'm, <laughs> I'm glad there's lots of different voices coming through all of our all of our tools uh-huh. <laughs> no that is that is brilliant um I just have a, like a I don't know whether this is a stupid question but like what will it look like will it look like a human or will it look like a oh. you know, metal like beep 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 yeah, more the beep 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 um yeah it's uh-huh. <laughs> like it'll have like two arms two legs and a body like kind of like a, a doll oh, wow. kite robot um but it's not uh-huh. it's not meant to look superhuman like it's not some yeah. kind of cyborg okay. type thing um it, it is it still has that robot look about it yeah sure okay no that sounds really cool and I have quite a few other questions but yes. I'm gonna kind of ask them to you alongside of the the chatbot AI stuff because that's what we're going you know, that's what we were going to talk about today but yes. absolutely when the robots are when you've done more research on them let's have you back for a third <laughs> One more project, had, and I always get like the next invite. I'm gonna, I, I don't know what I'm gonna do exactly. in addition to robots, but I'll try and try and impress <laughs> I don't you. I know again. how you're gonna get better than that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so yes, the chatbot that you have created for yes. body image and eating disorder treatment. Yes, where did the sort of thought of that come? Where did where did yeah. the idea start from? So I think um, when it comes to AI and mental health, um, suicide prevention has, they were the first kind of adopters. And I think the reason being that they, you know, their, 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 their helplines are, you know, kind of our, our crisis support that everyone contacts and, Mm -hmm. And uh, I was chatting with some colleagues back in 2018 and uh, they were saying, look, the the helpline can't manage the load. We're going to use a conversational AI agent to help shoulder some of the load. And I was like, okay, because I know... I know other helpline services, particularly our eating disorder helpline services in Australia, are, are feeling exactly the same, struggling under the load. And mm-hmm. I'm like, well, why why couldn't this be adopted? I do think like and, and suicide prevention, obviously there's a whole art to it. I suppose eating disorders are quite diverse, eating disorders and body image. Mm-hmm. So we knew we had a huge task ahead of us, but I was very keen to to make sure that um, folks who are experiencing eating disorders and their loved ones got access to the best technology, the best service. So that that was always my aim. And I suppose I've kind of tried to keep doing that um, with all our different initiatives. Yeah, 
absolutely yeah, I mean it sounds like that is exactly what you're doing project <laughs> after project bringing the best the best treatment that's I think um, my team are so, like can we just finish this one and then go to the next one because I'm always <laughs> coming out to them with a new idea and I think they just go oh no yeah. she's got another idea <laughs> anyway sorry I mean, keep going <laughs> No, they're not small projects either, are they? They're, they're like groundbreaking, like this is yes. going to transform. Yeah, and then, I was, then we go, oh, yeah, this is actually much harder than we thought. But, I, you know, I'd rather, <laughs> I'd rather um, you know, have that optimism and problem solve along the way. And that's what the co-design is for as well. You learn so much through that process. Yeah. And, you know, slight tangent here, but that's absolutely what my thought about recovery has been um mm. in that yes it's going to be really hard but I would prefer to be a year down the line and be closer to being recovered than be a year yes. down the line and be the same and I guess it's the same with you and your research and like it's going to be really difficult but you know if we if we do this research every day we're getting a step closer to you know making it better making it more powerful having stronger treatment approaches for people 100% so really I good. mean I'm just, you know, I, I feel like um, folks with eating disorders, as much as the, the research was definitely chugging along, I think now's really the time to run ahead. Um, it, you know, we've got no time to wait, no time to lose. And um, that, yeah, that's how I run my research team. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, okay, with the chatbot, um, mm -hmm. let's discuss the scepticism about it because I think that's still the elephant in the room um when I watched your lecture that you did um you spoke about the fact that you know you had to train the AI and that you know there was a lot of um talk in the news about um eating disorder chatbots providing dietary advice and Yes. so how have you ensured with your chatbot that it's safe and that it will provide the treatment that people do need Thank you for that question, Han. What a what a lovely question. I really appreciated the setup there. So I think, like historically, our very first chatbots used extremely limited AI capabilities, and mm. I think that's how we kept it very safe. That it was all pre-trained answers, um, and anything mm. that it didn't understand, it just said that I don't understand. And and whilst that right. was frustrating for users, hundred percent empathise there. We would we went for very low risk, um, but we knew the evidence base was there because we we we'd written these pages and pages of dialogue. Now when I look back on it, I'm like, oh god, that was a lot, wasn't it? Um, I'm glad we can shortcut that a bit now. So that's that's how we started learning and it was because of all those conversations that our earliest chatbots had we started to build a language model so like things mm -hmm. like chat gpt um and other ones that have come out now that they're trained on the whole of the internet <laughs> so it's, a, it's a big training database isn't it the whole of the internet yeah. um whereas our chatbots are trained on a, a much smaller set of data that that came from those very limited chatbots to start with. So it it means that while it doesn't have necessarily the diversity of answers that ChatGPT will have, I actually never want it to have that diversity because I know that, for example, it will start giving dietary advice. It will start giving weight loss mm. tips because, let's face it, the internet is a cesspool. So, uh, <laughs> so in that way, we keep control over it, but with 
with um, I suppose with every new initiative, we add to the training. So um, Kid and Jem were our first chatbots and they were very much that prevention, psychoeducation, just, you know, you have so nuts and bolts of, of eating disorders. Oh, and yeah. it was because of Kit and Gem that we could move to Essie, who is our first treatment offering. So Essie is a, a single session early intervention chatbot. So people, they've been referred for treatment. They're on wait lists. Um, we don't want people to be on wait lists getting bored and, and unmotivated. So it was because of all the training that Kit and Gem had that we could could do a treatment offering and feel like we could do it safely and and obviously with treatment we had to think about alert systems and stuff like that and better training around risk words like suicide risk words as well as um, physical health indicators Mm. so I suppose it's been really incremental for us we haven't suddenly gone let's do an open AI eating disorder chat but it's been the complete opposite of that (laughs) yeah exactly I mean we I mean you know people who are on snapchat you know that bot I've heard some interesting things about the the advice that the Snapchat bot gives. So we know how it's kind of, if people try and shortcut it, it, it is not a good offering. It's not a safe offering. Of course, you can do all the, I suppose, the, the negative training. Um, like, you know, you say, you know, don't, you know, if someone asked, how do I lose weight? Obviously, don't don't tell them. Um, and that's, I suppose, where we're up to now. Um so our latest offerings are using generative AI. So um, I'm sure your your listeners are across this, but just in case, basically being able to create its own responses from the big data set that it's been trained on. And so we've just been prototyping our bot for carers, which has been super exciting. Um and so we've been making sure, like, for example, I will test it out and I'll say, um, I really want to lose weight. Um, ha- can you help me? And we know that this carer bot goes, this is not my purpose. Um, I'm not going to help you with this. I am going to help you with X, Y, Z. So we know it's had that good t- training um, that it's not going to go off the rails but it's you know as much as you do all the positive response training there's a lot of negative response training that you need to do too Mm -hmm. yeah I mean that's just such a relief to hear that you know it's it it knows that's not where I you know can provide that advice right now um and when you say about this treatment what sort of thing is it is it kind of like um you know, does someone go on and have a therapy session with the chatbot or is it kind of an educational resource? How does that look? Yeah, so SE, um, EDSE, our single session chatbot. So um, it's actually in clinical trial around Australia at the moment, and we've been really thrilled with the results so far. Yeah, we're, and um, SE is uh, like, we're a bit in love with SE's characters. I suppose that's something our group is known for as well, having like quite cute characters for all of our tools. (laughs) It will help with the merchandise, I think. Um, So SE, SE again, completely grounded in evidence for what what's good for people to hear early on and it's it's promoting that regular eating teaching people about how you get into vicious cycles of dieting that kind of stuff and it's Mm -hmm. quite a multimedia experience so they're doing little activities they're watching videos they're having that chat so in that way it's again a step up that we um, that we made it a more immersive experience takes people about half an hour 
in an ideal world, we would have SE checking back in on people until they um, till they actually get in person treatment. So that would be like the next step that we that we have mm. that it uh, it being available um, multiple times. At the moment, it's um, they do the one off session. They can log back in and see all the resources but they can't chat with SE again so again I suppose it shows Mm. the incremental nature of this research and just making sure that what you're doing works and then adding on it bit by bit yeah no that sounds brilliant it sounds um very much like a CBT approach in terms of like the educational piece and that sort of thing indeed indeed and that's you know it won't it won't be everyone's cup of tea and we totally appreciate that fortunately thus far it has seemed to be people's cup of tea but I wonder if maybe people are self-selecting going oh yeah that sounds all right I'll do that yeah But, um, you know, everyone who participates, we learn something from them. And I've just I've been mm. quite blown away with how well people have done the activities. And I'm just going, they're doing better, you know, better job than me as a, you know, early psychologist. It's, it's quite impressive. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, I think... I think you, I suppose you can't go too wrong with those like fundamental messages, um, particularly sort of the yeah, regular eating, which we know, you know, the sooner you start on that, the sooner you can um, make treatment gains. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm just thinking about like, and I'm sure that you have a, a mind of, mm. you know, all these endless possibilities. Um, but I did a podcast a while back um, with, Lindsay um, who created an app called Beanbag Health and they basically it was an app that you worked through um, I don't know how many weeks it was but it was a very much a CBT based approach like what you've done here with the you know the educational piece Mm. and the resources and I I think that sort of thing would be fantastic to act as almost an intervention for people like you've said that can't currently get treatment but they're waiting for it because you've then got all that education that you can then learn all of that in that period of time you've got the chatbot with you for support and any Mm. questions that you have but then by the time you actually get to a treatment with like an actual human being Mm. a clinical psychologist or whatever you've already done that education you've potentially started eating and you've got yourself into a position where you can actually engage in therapy whereas I think so many people they come into they come into therapy and there's so much work to do before you can actually start Mm. therapy that they then maybe don't even touch the surface with, you know, if if we're thinking about the NHS specifically, you're given a certain yeah. number of weeks that you have treatment mm, for, you yeah. might not even get to start actually recovering. Yeah, because- 100%. And, I mean, what's the point of collecting dust on a wait list? If someone's mo- motivated to seek treatment, mm-hmm. we want them to be able to get oh. it as soon as they want it. And I think, you know, you, you raise a really good point there, Han. And with SE, we, we actually have this section, which is like messages to the psychologist, you know, things they want to work on first up. So the, the psychologist has that information really quickly. So it's like, okay, so this is an area you want to work on straight away. So it's kind of a, a good little messaging portal as well there too. Um, but we, we have the same in Australia that, um, that there's a cap on number of sessions per year. And uh, as you as you absolutely rightly said, if someone has already made big headway, they've maybe knocked off six sessions or something, doing great work by themselves, supported by an app or a chatbot. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it, it also builds on, I don't know what the 
situation is in Australia, mm. but I assume it's probably quite similar to the UK in that our resources are so limited in terms of people yes. and their time. So this just seems amazing. You know, I'm not saying that um, that this is like, an, uh, oh, how do I say this? Being a clinical psychologist and providing someone therapy, mm. I don't think a chatbot would be able to I mean, maybe no. in the future, I don't know. But there's that empathetic, like, there's a lot of skill there. Yes. Um, but kind of just going through the educational piece with them, mm. that is something that's very much, you know, I provide this information to you, you take that information in. It's not really that compassionate element to it. Like, I mm. think the tone, the tone of the chatbot is something that comes up in all of our research and like I, cause we will try and write things that sound like quite empathetic. And I think it's kind of a balance between factual and empathetic because like, imagine if mm -hmm. the chatbot said, Oh, I know how ju just how you feel. And the person will go, no, you're not, you're a robot. <laughs> you're lying to me. Um, so we kind of get around it with other ways like, um, it's quite common to feel this way. You're certainly not alone in this. Like there's other ways mm. that you can phrase it to still have that nice welcoming tone, um, particularly using emojis as well. We use heaps of them in all of our um, all of our tools. So I think it, yes, it will never have that, that lovely person-to-person -person contact that I really enjoy in my clinical work. And I, yeah, that'll never be outsourced, but I think it can um, have a welcoming, uh, motivating tone. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think it's a brilliant initiative and I think oh, it will just and then allow people that are doing the psychology work to actually mm. focus on like the more deep intense stuff with people and, and hopefully yeah. recovery will then flourish because you can work through that stuff with people. Absolutely. Um, and that's I the feedback we've been getting. The the psychologists have appreciated that they've been able to have that head start as well. Like they're like, great, psychoeducation, yeah. tick, regular eating going pretty well, all things considered. Oh. Yeah, let's start working on, you know, those um, like inflexible thinking and, and stuff like that, you know, the stuff mm -hmm. that, that takes time, more time. Yeah that you need to be regularly eating to actually start to work on anyway, because if you've got a yes. frame, you can't do the psychological work anyway. Tell me about it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and it just, yeah, anyone, you know, I'm sure, you know, quite a few of your listeners have been through this, this process. And I, I, I mean, when I'm introducing the idea to, to patient, patient slash clients, I just go, you know, this isn't going to be an overnight thing. I don't expect you to come back next week and have regular eating sorted. Um, this is a work in progress. <laughs> sure, yeah. And as I was just saying that then about a staff brain, I, I did just think, mm. was this done with all eating disorders or was it just a specific group of people? Yeah, and another great point, Han. And again, the co-design process really helped us sort this out because we we didn't want it to be diagnosis specific. We wanted, you know, disordered eating through to, you know, binge eating disorder, anorexia nervosa, bulimia nervosa. We wanted everyone to be able to benefit. And the way we got around it was some different pathways down the bot, some like with the videos showing different um, options of activities so it did we did end up covering off on all eating disorders and disordered eating in it um, and 
I suppose we've had people coming through with all different diagnoses and I'm, obviously we're analysing the data as we get it to see if any group sort of benefits more. But um, we really wanted anyone who was struggling with eating issues to, to be able to use it. Yeah, no, that's brilliant. And I think that's a really important thing that we don't just focus on one group of, of yeah, diagnoses. Sure. I think this sort of thing can be used for everybody and um, often people with you know, maybe if we're thinking about eating disorders that don't necessarily get the treatment support, this could yes. offer you know a really good um, intervention for people. And I'm just thinking as well. So we've talked about the AI and how that yes. works for uh, people with eating disorders. What's mm. the sort of uh, approach or kind of model for the carers? Is that like a kind of supportive space or is that an educational piece as well? That's it. Well, again, co-designing, still evolving. Happy to hear your thoughts, Han. Um, always, always welcome. Because um, <laughs> are you doing some caring work just there with your cat? They want their breakfast. <laughs> so we, I mean, ultimately we would like this carer, carer buddy we're calling it to be almost like a, a kind of a hey Google, like kind of a font of all knowledge, like right. my, my young person isn't eating, what can I do? Like we want it yeah. to be that kind of assistant. Obviously we've trained it on a lot of educational material already, but we want it to be, mm -hmm. as you were saying before, people who are um, at their wits end because they, they love their, their young person or whoever it is so much. And they're just going, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> um, and it's, it's, to answer those kinds of questions because we know like you know mm. when the when the therapist is there like they can they can help you and you know, thinking a sort of more if uh, family-based therapy approach or Maudsley um the person's there the, the health professional team are there but you know as you said when you go home they're not there all the time um and it's yeah it's for those moments where you're just going I don't know what I'm doing yeah yeah no that sounds brilliant I think that would be so supportive for somebody, um, like you say, at their wits end, I don't know kind of, you know, what to do. Mm. And I think also one thing I always think, and this shouldn't be the case at all, but I think it is the case for, for parents and carers is the shame and the guilt and yes. kind of, oh, you know, gosh. not know, I don't know what I should be doing for my um, loved one mm. right now, or yes. I, I don't want to reach out because I should know how to handle this, or I'm ashamed that, or I feel guilty that my loved one is struggling so much and I can't help. So again, yes. it's, it's almost like what we were talking about at the start with um, the, the robot is that you can ask the robot a question and, and not feel that shame or that guilt Absolutely. and get the support that you need. Yeah, and with every question that the parent asks, it's helping the model improve. So I, I'm just yeah. like, ask away, ask any question you like. It's helping <laughs> us all the time to learn. There is no no way it can't help us. So I and I 100% agree there, Han. That um, that and oh my gosh. Parents and carers talk about the unsung heroes of eating disorder treatment. So, yeah, like I'm there, my yeah. fancy health professional self, and I get to go home. But they go home and the, the person, the loved one with the eating disorder is, is still 100% struggling. Mm. So they they need all the help they can get because it is just so challenging for everyone, you know, siblings included, grandparents whoever's there it's it's a tough it's a tough thing to go through yeah absolutely and 
I think that's the thing, isn't it? It's building that support around a carer so that yes. they not only can support their loved one, but they, they feel supported themselves and then they're, exactly. they therefore are supporting themselves. And I think through, yeah. you know, one thing I would really encourage with the with the chatbot, and I don't know whether mm. this is something you can kind of manipulate, but... Um, always, always when, happy to hear. You know, <laughs> <laughs> when carers are you know asking for, yeah. for support on things and stuff to mm. really build that sort of narrative of this is not your fault and yes. you know thank you so yeah. much for being here to support your loved one Agreed. but also are you making sure that you're taking time out for yourself yeah you know because I think you could probably you'll probably get some very distressed questions mm. on there because people yeah. are at their wits end of I just don't yes. know what to do yeah. um, but it's always been my approach is encouraging people to take that time out for themselves and to really understand that no matter how much you mm. kind of put into this until that individual decides today mm. is the day that I'm going to start recovering all yes. you can do is be there for them um, and I know that was something that my mum really yeah. really struggled with she she went to yes. every single course she did all of oh, this and the other and yeah she put her soul into it and you know unfortunately it took time for then me to want to start to recover and then once that happened she was like, oh my god praise the lord hallelujah what like why now um yes but yeah 100 percent, Hannah. you you, you know you're, you're hitting all the right notes um I remember in our very first chatbot kit when we had our like our carer dialogue. The certainly the the please don't blame yourself. This is not your fault. Like it was some of the first dialogue I remember us writing, um, and that just being so important for parents and carers to hear because isn't it a tough job being a parent and carer anyway? And then you're going, it's all my fault that this person is having this issue when it is not. Um, and you're, you know, you're absolutely doing your best. Um, and that's all we can ask. And as you said, encouraging parents and carers to to get their own support as well, um, taking some time out for themselves, maybe getting the robot to do yeah. some of their meal support sessions so they can yeah. do something different. <laughs> so they could go and see their friends, yeah. And I think exactly. um, that's definitely, definitely just giving yourself, you know, time to refill that cup because you can't pour from an empty cup. Well, that, and it's so important that, nicely said. you know, you're not bombarded by frustrations towards the eating disorder yeah. and you can actually, like, care for your loved one in the way that you want to 100% and I mean as you said at the start of this hand it's like it's it's a brain disease this is this is not how your young person is is normally um this is and this is not how they want to be um no one would choose this um no one would wish it on their worst enemy absolutely yeah yeah and I think that's the thing, isn't it? And that's the, often the thing that can get so frustrating is like, why won't you just help yourself? Um, yes. So I think to have the the AI step in and, uh, you know, provide some calming techniques would not go amiss for sure. Absolutely. Let's all take three big breaths together. Um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Maybe and you I mean... should do that. Maybe you should like... Before you, like, you know, the per the person comes on yes. and, like, blah, 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 like, types in their question all frantically and then the chat box goes, oh, continue. Let's do some box breathing together. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I can, I can tell, like, um, 
Oh, gosh. I mean, I know we've been looking into this, just, you know, words that are used, the style of typing. We can tell quite a lot about mm -hmm. the the user. So, um, so yeah, I think we'll, we'll be able to pick up, you know, on even more as, as time goes on, not just the, I suppose, the, the broad sentences that are given to us, the, the mm. style in which it's written. There's some cool new research coming out about that. Yeah. And that was something else I wanted to just mm. touch on was um, when you did your lecture, you were saying that um, yes. it can, the, the tr uh, AI can be more personalized because it collects the data from like your mobile yes. phone and stuff. <laughs> yes, this is work we're again doing right now. <laughs> so, yes, we, I think, and um, I suppose this is an area we haven't touched on as much, Han, but um, relapse prevention or, you know, someone's just been, discharge from a service there you know there's a high risk that they they might return to some of their old unhelpful habits and um, so we know that mobile phones do collect a lot of data on us without us even being aware of it um, it's not as creepy as people think though certainly the privacy of phones has increased a lot in in recent years because you know, things like Facebook's selling people's data and stuff like that. Not cool. Um, mm -hmm. But certainly we can we can be so through a mixture of what we call passive sensing. So that's that data that's collected in the background um, of your phone without you even knowing. So say, you know, if you're, you know, if you're making a call or you're typing, it, it picks up on that. If you're sleeping, it can tell that. If you're moving around, it can tell that. So there are certain inbuilt sensors that, um, that are collecting data all the time, but there's also active sensing as well. So we can ask people, Hey, what, what have you just been doing? Um, and people are quite used mm -hmm. to that kind of research, um, that e um, ecological momentary analysis, EMA. Um, so what we're doing is kind of a mixture of the two and saying, okay, so we know that um, people have just been discharged. They, uh, we want them to feel supported uh, when, they, when they leave the service. And so, yes, we can do this prediction modeling, again, using AI and machine learning. And we can connect it with our pre-existing tools. So, you know, KitGem, SE, CareBuddy, we, we have these, but the issue is that at the moment we're relying on people to reach out to them. Whereas if the mobile phone goes, hey, I wonder if you're feeling a bit distressed. I wonder if you're feeling like you might want to engage in a behavior that's not going to be super helpful. So that's kind of, that's really the holy grail of personalized medicine there, sort of knowing that you might be about to do something before maybe even you quite realize it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine like picking up on certain things that you're, you're doing and the building yes. almost like a timeline of behaviors, like, oh, they're doing that right now. And now yes. I've done that. And then that's led to them feeling very distressed or whatever. That's amazing to, cause like you say, I think often it can be things that you don't even realize that you're doing. Yes. Um, so for the, for the AI to pick up on that, that's, that seems like a really incredible because you can almost then catch it before somebody's fallen into the behavior exactly and we call it um they're affectionately known as jit eyes return of the jit eye um just in time adaptive interventions um so this is this is absolutely yeah the holy grail this is and I suppose in other disorders, like say I have some good colleagues in epilepsy, they've been able to use like wearables, like watches, mobile phones, mm. to be able to predict when someone is about to have a seizure. 
So that is really, really cool research. And we're taking, you know, we're learning everything we can from all these other areas and saying, hey, can we do this well with uh, with eating disorders? And that, again, there's been some some recent research on this and um, it looks like we can do some, some pretty decent predictions. So we just want people's, I suppose, their devices to be as therapeutic as possible. Mm. What sort of things are you looking at when you kind of build the predictions? Is it like a elevated heart rate or? Yeah. And I, I mean, I think, Han, that the world's your oyster here in terms of senses. Uh-huh. So, and I think this, I mean, this has been kind of the bit of the trick that we've noticed with eating disorders, say, versus other, other, um, conditions like you know we don't necessarily want people to to be logging all their fitness stuff all the time that's not necessarily good for recovery is it so (laughs) in that way we have a more I suppose select group of sensors Um, but certainly as you're saying like kind of that physiological agitation which we know can certainly Mm -hmm. precede um, uh, an episode it, it can absolutely be tracked Wow. This just is my mind has been absolutely blown because I think when ChatGPT first came out, it was like, oh my god, this is so cool! I can ask it what yes. I should have for dinner and yeah. like to send me some recipes. That's and cute. actually, you don't think about like how like incredible this is and how far this can go. Um, absolutely, I so should say guess- ChatGPT is like I, I've given it a bit of a bad rap, but I should say that like all of us in in everything are, are using it. And I, I think it's amazing yeah. that we have these tools. And I, I suppose AI is only as good as the training it's had. So, you know, if you Absolutely. just want yeah. general answers, as you said, what to have for dinner, I think ChatGPT will do that well for you. Yeah. I think it's, from my perspective, it's almost, um, it gives everybody a leg up, you know, like, Mm. as an example, for me working in marketing, my creative capabilities and like Mm. ideas are only as kind of far as my brain can take me. And that's limited to one brain. But by me typing in like, you know, what sort of campaign could I do for this initiative? Mm. It gives me loads of ideas. I still then have to go away and create the campaign and yes. put that emotive element to it and, and that and and it still requires me to be there but it's given me that step up of rather than taking yes. weeks to determine the campaign it's mm. given me loads of ideas and then I can work out the best one and I think that for me is where AI is going to help us the most is to give us that leg up of rather than one brain it's like 100%. the world's brains coming together to then create even more incredible content. I, I agree, Han, and I think, I mean, you know, you, you'll hear people saying, oh, with ChatGPT, people will forget how to write, <laughs> you know, kind of these quite um, quite uh, catastrophizing um, responses. Yeah. But I, I agree. I think it's, I suppose, kind of like our chatbots are, we don't ever expect it to replace human uh, health professionals ever. Uh, but if it can help us do our jobs better, faster, and more effectively, then why wouldn't we use it? I just, I can't imagine not yeah. not using a tool that can help you. Yeah, I, I think that's the thing, isn't it? It's like, if it can help, then let's absolutely mm. go for yeah. it. Um, 
I mean, that's all been absolutely fascinating, Gemma, and I just can't believe that, you know, it's even possible. Is there a way for anyone to get involved if they're listening and they're like, I, oh, I sure. want to support yeah. with this or, you know, this Abs- sounds like it'd be something I want to get involved in? Oh, believe me, we are always <laughs> we are always looking for fantastic people to, to be involved. So thank you so much, Han. I should say we're actually doing this um, kind of hybrid worldwide event in September 2024 where we're going to be asking people to join a big research consortium. So I'll make sure I give you those details, Han, uh, because we're we're really excited about that. It seems like every September I like to do some big event now. So we're going to be working on that quite a lot in the next couple of months. Um, But, yes, people can always contact me at Monash. So if you just Google my name, Gemma Sharp and Monash, you'll find my staff page. I'm also on Twitter slash X under the handle of at Gemma Sharp 11. Um, I don't, is, are people still on Twitter? I don't know. <laughs> um, slash X. Um, maybe yeah. I need to. Uh, I probably a consideration need to, of mine. Agreed. Like maybe I need to diversify my platforms. Feel free, peoples, to to yell out where you think we should go as well. Um, but yes, certainly always my Monash email. I'm, I'm always very happy to hear from people, hear their thoughts, because. I just, I, you know, um, like I've just had some new staff join me this year and they've all been involved in like multiple co-design projects already. And it's just, I, I, uh, they, they tell me they enjoy it. I hope they actually mean that, um, that they get to see these kind of <laughs> creations come to life. And I know generally speaking, the people who come along with us at the journey, they're like, wow, we saw this as like a kernel of an idea, you know, six to 12 months mm. ago. And here we are with this, this fully formed, initiative so I think everyone gets that sense of achievement with being involved yeah absolutely yeah I'm just um thinking in my life how and when I can get to Melbourne to to <laughs> come and meet you guys and uh and get well, involved this, in September 2024 you're more than welcome to our event in September 2024 it's I, gonna be the I feel like I need to save a little bit I need to I save know. a bit before I can I, travel. It, to I, should, I should say, Han, it's uh, it's hybrid, so everyone has a chance to Good. join wherever they are in the world. Because we, I mean, even the time zone, we're just going. Oh gosh, because um, I just I had that with mm. my event this year. I, I had some lovely people in the states, for example, getting up at three a.m. to 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 watch the presentation, which was very nice of them. So we we do get yeah. that. Yeah, it's um, it you know, it'll be recorded as well. Um, because we you know we want yeah. everyone to to see what we're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I very much look forward to it. And uh, I, actually, one of my uh, friends is from melbourne and she's moving back next week so i i don't need any more excuses apparently to get over to melbourne thank you so much Gemma. it's been an absolute pleasure have a nice evening and i'm gonna go and do my day (laughs) yeah it sounds like you've got a big one ahead all good wishes yeah (laughs) yeah thank you so much not at all my pleasure if you enjoyed listening today you won't want to miss next week's episode so be sure to subscribe Eating disorders are crippling illnesses, but with the right support, they can be recovered from. We really hope you enjoyed this episode, but if you require more support right now, please look into charities such as First Steps and Beat for support or talk to someone you trust.